I have my trusty glass of water sitting on my trusty coaster, also known as the Four Hour Work Week by Timothy Ferris. Mm. I I have to say, it has proven to be perhaps the most useful nonfiction book uh, for me in 2015 mm-hmm. because it's uh, held my drink successfully for over 30 weeks of recording this podcast. Mm. I mean, all 30 weeks? It's 30 for 30? Mm-hmm. I mean, third, the last 30, certainly. Um, okay. I, I didn't start right away, so it's it's definitely over 30. Um, not all 42, but I, I think we can still, you know, we can still call that the most usual. I'm, I think I'm going to go to Amazon. I'm going to leave a review. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Best best coaster. Excellent coaster. Mm-hmm. Some of the chapters are also interesting. <laughs> Would rest again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I mean, if you can find a copy for less than a buck, then it's totally worth it. Otherwise, you should probably just buy a coaster. Mm-hmm. So. But, I mean, what is a coaster? Mm, well, in my case, it is a guide to outsourcing your life and not doing any actual work. Mm. Brought to you by Katie's Graduate School Brain. Woo! And Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss. Um, so, yeah. Uh, which, <laughs> so the Katie's graduate school brain, I, I take it, is a self-effacing reference to uh, not doing a lot of work. Um, <laughs> no, asking what things mean. Oh, fair enough. I was I, I was <laughs> interpreting that. No, I thought it was a joke. I thought you were making a self-deprecating joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but, but the reason I was going to, the reason I wanted to talk about that for a moment was um, the other day, I, uh, so, so frequently when I'm out and about somewhere and I don't quite know how to get from where I am back to my house, cause you know, I'm in a fairly big city, a million and a half people, and I haven't only lived here for like three years. So, uh, still happens from time to time. I don't know where I'm going. Um, I'll take out my phone and I'll hold down the home button and I will say, Siri, get me home. And what happens is it, you know, brings up maps and finds directions and, and, you know, the phone knows where my home is because it knows who I am and I have my address and my contacts. Um, the other day, uh, I was out and about for work purposes during the workday. I was at, at a different location of my company, and uh, one I'd never been to before. And I was trying to figure out how to get you know back downtown to where I actually work. And so I said, Siri, get me to work. And <laughs> Siri came back and said, that may be beyond my powers, Max. <gasps> Mm. Oh, Siri humor. Mm-hmm. I asked the second time and the directions came right up. <laughs> so is that a message about persistence? You just have to ask twice? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, it's just a message about the sense of humor of the people who program Siri. Mm-hmm. That may be beyond my powers, Max. Mm. Yeah, control comes from within, right? Mm-hmm, hmm So, uh, yeah... That's my Siri story. Um, Siri story. Yeah. Once the directions did come up, I had to. I, I was able to make it back to the office, but I had to travel a great distance. <sighs> Man, I was already setting it up in my head. It's ready to go. And setting was it, it up, a... knocking it down. <laughs> yes, I'll bet you did travel that distance. Mm, I was going the distance. Were you going for speed? Uh. I suppose so. But I wasn't all alone, all alone in my time of need. Because Siri gave me the directions the second time I asked. Mmm, cake. Boop, boop. Yay. Title. Um, I mean, like, cut for the title, I guess. <laughs> yeah, let's have some opening music. Yeah. Opener. <laughs> um, oh, man. The other day, Billy and I were out... Um, Oh, man, you will be so happy, Max. I found two listeners. Wow. Yeah, and they were where, in the same Where did place. you find them? Uh, the street. Um, <laughs> just out and about, living their lives. Yeah, interesting. Uh, no, two friends of ours who um, I knew were friends of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. We were visiting, and, and separately they made references to oh, nice. uh, things we may or may not have discussed on, on the mm-hmm. show. Um, so that was exciting. Um, yeah. At one point, I don't know if they noticed that I did it, but I couldn't help it. We were talking, and I can't even remember if I said some turn of phrase that was particularly funny to everyone, or if one mm-hmm. of them said something that was particularly funny. I turned to Billy and said, "Title." <laughs> I don't know uh, if they noticed. We'll find out uh, when they catch up yeah. to this one. Uh-huh. 
I, um, I suppose we will. I think we did. We were doing that in Florida mm-hmm, <laughs> when mm-hmm. we were there for um, for uh, our uh, brother's wedding ceremony. Um, I recall a few times saying title. I believe the affliction is known as podcaster's ear. Mm, yes, yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some droplets can can help that. Mm. Yeah, put Droplet. a little uh, put a little hydrogen peroxide in before you take a shower. Is that safe? Is that really a thing? Uh, yeah, actually, though, I think that's for earwax. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it, the internet told me, so I'm relatively certain that's safe. Mm. They, you, you can't put stuff on the internet if it's not safe, right? Oh, well, I would think you can't put stuff in your ears, but it looks like, what do I know? Well, I mean, it's hydrogen peroxide, you know. It's hair dye and mouthwash and stain remover and stain maker and a hundred other things so you know may as well take your wax out Heartbreaker, stain maker mm, this is this is the music episode uh whoops <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay you tried to bridge us and i uh drove us off the bridge mm, i hope not something this uh, is not the thelma and louise podcast either you are listening to priority a podcast about choices, limitations, and getting stuff done. Priority is hosted by Katie Leibman and her brother, Max Leibman. That's me. Today's episode is entitled, The Frenzies. For complete show notes, including links to anything we discuss on the podcast today, visit us online at priority.fm slash 43. Something I was thinking about um, was I don't quite know the um, philosophical or, or um, you know, the proper proper terminology, but I've, I've heard this term before, um, the term of distance used as, as meaning um, a measure of, you know, being at a proper remove to think about things with the right level of perspective. And I don't know if that's existential distance or philosophical distance or, or what have you, but uh, but it occurred to me the other day that I was experiencing a version of that um, uh, with regard to work. And uh, I told a story a few weeks ago about doing the oldest task on a very old a list that like went back, you know, the better part of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing something in early fall uh, that had been on my list since December, uh, I think was, <laughs> was mm-hmm. what I was specifically talking about. And how when I finally sat down to do it, it took almost no work. Um, you know, it didn't, didn't take very much to do. And, and something I was thinking about was, um, how often that's true. And, um, you know, this might also shade into a discussion of procrastination and, uh, and, you know, when delay is, is strategic rather than, than actual procrastination. But I had this experience a couple weeks ago, um, right before being out of the office for a week where I was doing some cleanup and, a couple of things sort of came together. First of all, I was going to be out of the office for a whole week for the first time in most of a year. So <laughs> obviously I want to have things kind of squared away so people aren't rifling through my stuff looking for things or asking questions about where work is that I should have done a long time ago and no one else can answer because I still have it, you know, that kind of stuff. Or um, finding the bodies. Finding the bodies, exactly. Um, there were a lot of skeletons in my metaphorical closet uh, that I needed to get out before I left for a week because otherwise someone else might find them <laughs> that I'm not there to explain uh, or add to it. Um, but uh, – and also I wanted to uh, – I also needed to get some work together, some projects for my team uh, because we've recently undergone a software upgrade and uh, <laughs> the time it takes to do our work has been cut down pretty dramatically. So we've been going through various cleanup and backlog projects, you know, pretty pretty rapidly. So I had this nice little confluence of events that made me go through a a big lateral file drawer full of just junk. Um, <laughs> stuff I had set aside. Things that were actually on my list where I'd written them down and then whatever the thing that needed to be acted on or the supporting material went into this drawer. Things that were in rubber banded stacks that just said things like process on a note on the front of them. Because it was all work that I'd glanced through enough to know this isn't urgent. It can wait until we have some downtime. But I don't want to decide what what it's going to take when that downtime comes until then because I'm too busy right now. So I just, you know, banded it all together and threw it in there. Um, things that I don't remember throwing in there 
Um, that's the problem with having a junk drawer of work or a mm-hmm. pile that you haven't made decisions about is things tend to go in there and you don't know how they got there. Um, task amnesia, if you will. Hmm. Uh, but in any case, a lot of the things in here, though, in addition to this unprocessed, amorphous junk, were also things that in the moment when I got them, I didn't want to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought to myself, this is going to take too long to start right now, or this is going to be a giant pain in the ass, or I don't even know where to begin with this, and the people I need to talk to, I don't really like, so I'm not going to deal with it right <laughs> now. You know, things like that, and and often combinations of those. Um Everything in this drawer was either undecided or something that was, uh, you know, it, it, at the very at the very least, it was something I didn't have time for. But in a lot of cases, it was also something I didn't really want to do. Mm-hmm. But in the 24 hours before heading out for vacation, uh, I got the drawer empty. Mm. Like completely empty. Not like go through it and put things on a list and organize them empty. Empty, empty. Done. Um, wow. Now, some of that was I, you know, in a flurry of paper, I delegated a bunch of it off to my team, who, again, needed some work right then. And some of it was just the pressure of, well, I want to get this cleaned up before I go on vacation. But a lot of it I found, when I actually sat down to do it, was not at all very onerous. Um, And I know this is, I'll I'll link to uh, an article or two by uh, Dr. Timothy Pitchell on this subject. I know in the procrastination research, this is something that that comes up again and again, that when you actually get into things that you are dreading doing, very often they're not as bad as you anticipated them being. Mm -hmm. So I know there's some of that in play too. But it also occurred to me as I was going along, I mean, most of these things were not, you know, unique, ambiguous things that I was never, I'd never seen before and would never see again. The vast majority of it, I kind of knew what to do. You know, it's it's just something I didn't want to do that particular instance of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in a lot of cases, the reason why I plowed through the drawer so fast and so easily and really felt pretty good about all of it, none of it was really as bad as I thought it would be, is because I had the right amount of distance from it. Mm. Um, I think just the act of putting it in the drawer and forgetting about it during a busy period gave me enough separation from the initial wave of assessments and feelings I had about it. You know, my initial my initial clinching up and saying, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't have time for this, or, oh, I don't want to go down the hall and talk to Beth about that because she's going to want to talk about the dogs, and I don't really like talking about the dogs with people at work. Um, you know, all of those things, those feelings in the moment attached themselves to those papers and those tasks and stayed there. As long as I still had, you know, basically the same the same chain of attention on them. Um, if it's something that I'm thinking about each day, you know, when it's freshly in the drawer or when it's still on a list I'm looking at fairly often, those feelings stay alive. Mm. Once they're buried under the mass of other things that weren't even decided, though, and forgotten about for a while, mm-hmm. when I come back to them, all those associations are broken. And it's mm. just a piece of work. So, dear listener, the message is to bury the feelings you have. Mm-hmm. Bury your feelings. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. I believe. I believe that's what Freud said. Uh, yeah, and slam the door for good measure. Yeah, something like that. Pretty close. The door actually represents your father. Mm. Yeah, very Freudian. <laughs> It's psychoanalysis. You can't argue with that. <laughs> it's psychoanalysis corner with Max and Kate. <laughs> Welcome back. Mm. Yes. No, what I appreciate um, is I'm thinking about the issue of focus. When I was thinking about this topic, um, this is something that comes up a lot in writing projects and thinking about um, our academic work in particular. Um, in procrastination and time and focus, I think these things are all tangled up together in this issue because a lot of the situations I was thinking about were situations where probably because of looming deadlines, I would be so deep into for such a long period of time, a project that, and I know I've used this phrase before, but I'd practically, practically be going cross-eyed looking Mm -hmm. at it by the end of the day. Um, and that day probably was lasting longer than it should have because by that point I would be, um, you know, also tired and groggy and hungry and, and sore from curling up around my desk in a strange position because I'm not paying attention to my posture because I've been here for 12 hours or whatever. That does not sound very ergonomic. 
No, uh, anti-ergonomics, um, AKA procrastination. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think part of this is that, um, distance allows you to focus better. I think when, in some of these moments, when I'm so deep into some of the work, um, I, I am just, my attention is drawn to every little layer of things, even if Mm -hmm. the whole project would be, would come along much more efficiently if I allowed myself to do one thing at a time and one layer of things at a time. Um, you know, letting my attention jump around only drags out the process. And then when I'm tired, I'm even worse at trying to figure out, uh, what I should be focusing on first. So I think, yeah, distance and constraints are both part of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think there's, um, there's something you said in there about, about having the right distance. So you're not, you're not in the, the little layers of the, the nitty gritty details. You're not wrapped up in it too tightly, um, mm-hmm. was, was kind of what I was hearing. And it occurs to me in, in your field in particular, um, you know, you, you, uh, teach writing and, and, you know, manage a writing center. Um, there is certainly something to be said for, um, and this is kind of the opposite of a deadline because we're talking about setting something aside, but there's certainly something to be said, I think, in, in writing for putting work aside for a while and coming back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've often heard that referred to as, as getting the proper distance from it. Uh, but I think what you get in that is, is kind of exactly what you're saying about not, you know, not being so wound up in, in those, you know, those, those very detailed layers of it. You know, once you've been away from it for a little while, you can start to see the whole, you see the gestalt again, um, and start get a, to get a feel of, of, you know, you can look at it as a piece of work rather than a piece of your work or rather than an accumulation of details or errors. Um, and then the real errors start to jump out at you. Mm-hmm. But you don't you don't get that if you're working on it eight to sixteen hours a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. You get that when you walk away for a few days. Yeah, and we've talked about that on a previous episode about how both of us can be sort of prone to manic tears of of productivity. You know, when we're really just struck by a project and we end up working on it for a whole day, a whole weekend or whatever. Mm, I don't know um, what you're talking about, said the guy who over- filled his trash and recycling bin to overflowing last week, decluttering the office upstairs. Oh, my goodness. I got through my black hole. I can't remember if I've said that on the <laughs> on the air or not. Woo! The black hole in, uh, on my office desk. Oh, my goodness. And it's actually a functioning sort of inbox now. Mm. If uh, I'd actually watched Interstellar, I'd make a joke about black holes right now. Yeah, I I don't know how the real ones work. I know how the paper-filled ones work. Because mm. <laughs> I just defeated it, and I don't think that can happen in space. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that was good. But anyway, yeah. So that that certainly is not the type of – I mean, that's not a problem, I don't think, in the, in the, in the way we're talking about it. Those type of uh, obsessive, sort of excited, frenzied stints of work. Um, not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones I can think of, yeah, have happened. Um, usually when I've underestimated a project or I've mm-hmm. left too much of the hard work for the mm-hmm. end of a project. Um, and by that point, all these different pressures, whether it's the deadlines or knowing that there are, I keep saying the word layers, there are different layers to be done. Like not only do I need to finish drafting the body of this essay, but I also need to review it and make sure the sources are, mm-hmm. um, cited the way they ought to be. Um, and I also need to search the document for this one word because I just found out I've been using it wrong <laughs> <laughs> and go tweak it, um, tweak it sentences. And then I need to go make sure that uh, the page numbers are the way they're meant to be in this particular style and on and on and on. Um, so I may get sidetracked on some of that and start changing things that are dependent on other things. And and then before I know it, the deadline's here and I need to go to the bathroom and I haven't slept and I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on and on and on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's almost like I mean, you're, you sounds to me like you're talking about more of a grind um, or or crunch time kind mm-hmm. of scenario. Um, and and you've got you have distance problems in two ways. You don't have sufficient distance from the from the deadline, um, <laughs> and you also don't have sufficient distance from the work. 
Right. You know, right. you are you are breathing it, eating it, sleeping it, and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> yeah, not a lot of protein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it depends on what your work is. There might be a lot of protein. Could be. Could be. But probably not probably not in your work. Uh what would paper be? Is paper carbs? Mm, yeah, I think I think um I'm gonna look that up right now in the um Weight Watchers points guide. Uh yes please. How many yeah. points? Uh paper Oh, I should check the paper weight. Oh, there we yeah, go. Oh, I you know what? The food scales downstairs. Okay. Okay. Um, what were we talking about? Welcome back to Fitness Corner. <laughs> my Fitness Corner. My Fitness Corner. Mm, my mm. Distance Pals. Um, except it sounds yeah. like a thing, like Pen Pals or mm-hmm. But I was thinking of people in more traditional work settings, too. Um, Hi. <laughs> Yay. I was thinking about, you know, I've got a lot of friends who work um, in the nonprofit sector who <laughs> some of whom are in organizations that basically are continually applying for grant funding because that is what allows their work to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, so those folks are always working toward these, these benchmarks of the, the grant application deadlines and always sort of running toward that. Um, you know, cause there will be situations where the constraints of your work are completely out of your control. So it doesn't matter what, sort of mood or energy level you have at the moment, you have to be able to, um, in my case, you know, not only produce the work, but also be a good self-reviewer and be very self-aware of where you are in the work and where you're going. And that can be really hard. So I guess that's what really drew me to this. Mm-hmm. For Which sure. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it... Um, as I'm, as I'm listening to you, the, the thing I keep coming back to in my head is emotional distance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of this is tied up in, in feelings, um, like our ability to engage with, with the work in a healthy way, um, or, mm-hmm. or our ability to, um, our ability to know, you know, in, in a situation when you were talking about, when you first mentioned the organizations dependent on grant funding and, and, you know, that made me think of, of. I, I don't know about a parallel thing, but uh, a past uh, past job of mine where the organization was very project driven, so mm-hmm. there was always a deadline looming. You know, it it never wasn't crunch time for one thing or another, and it it I don't think it's exactly the same thing as an organization where you're always chasing one kind of grant or another. But I think it's very similar because at any given time, like it wasn't like you know we make stuff and then somebody goes and sells it, and those are two different functions. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just need to know in general forecasty terms, like what kind of numbers the other group is is capable of and planning to achieve in the next quarter to figure out what's going on. Um, it was more like, you know, there's there's always next week, there's always something closing and there's mm-hmm. always deliverables that need to be done, you know, to wrap this project up. And every one of these is revenue or lost revenue if we screw it up or the client leaves. So mm-hmm. it's it's um, in that kind of environment. I think a lot of a lot of the stress comes from not having the right level of emotional detachment from the work, not seeing it as just work. When you start to say, okay, this grant application is whether or not we can work, you know, this is whether or not we're going to have a job, which might mm-hmm. be true, but if you're thinking of everyone that way and you've always got one looming, I think it's going to be very hard to think about your work in terms of, you know, how do you make it better? Who are you really serving? Why are you here? Hmm. You know, even if what you're writing on those grant applications is why you're here and who you're serving, which it hopefully is, probably is. I mean, I don't know. I haven't applied for that many grants, but that seems like it would be something that's in there. <laughs> um, but I, I think what you're going to end up doing, you know, in that kind of environment, if you don't have sufficient distance from from those outcomes, uh, and in that case, distance you're going to have to create artificially. You can't put it in a drawer for a month. Right. Um, you'll miss the deadline. You know, but you you have to figure out ways of manufacturing that distance so you can you can take a breather and think about your work um, in more constructive terms. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, does that does that sound constructive at all? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we here? Uh, I think you're right on. Part of what you said there, the ways that our brains can get stuck on that base level of. If this doesn't happen, then catastrophe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a definition of anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, is, is only being able to hear that voice or fixating on that voice when mm-hmm. it's only part of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the more logical parts, if you are getting into that part of your brain, would be okay. But if we do this, 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 and this, it's going to give us the greatest chance for success, mm-hmm. and that's all we can do. The rest of it, we can't control who they pick. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, you know, if the computers crash, if there's a giant snowstorm and the servers go down and whatever. Um, yeah, side note, I think I've described that situation, um, at a previous, at a previous job when, oh no, no, maybe I didn't mention this one. Um, at a previous position I was in, we were applying for a grant and there was a horrible snowstorm in Washington, D.C., So the organization sponsoring the grant was closed for the day. Their electricity was down, their internet was out, whatever, whatever. So they gave everyone an extra 36 hours or something on this grant deadline. It was like, it was like grant Christmas in (laughs) in this organization. Um, It was like this magical, mysterious thing that never happens and never will happen again. You know, the grant deadline got extended. It was weird. Um, so that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so maybe sometimes that sort of thing will happen. You know, your professor will cancel class the day something's due. DC will get hit by a massive monster snowstorm. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, but when you can't count on that sort of thing, um, so then the question is, how do you cope with this? So you, you said, how do you manufacture this distance? Um, and these are skills that, you know, maybe this is another reason I wanted to talk about it was, these are things that I need to, to remember for myself too. Um, I think a lot of teachers and a lot of managers and leaders are really good at peddling the advice that they know works, maybe because they've tried it before, but maybe mm-hmm. not so good at practicing it themselves. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's something I'm, I'm trying to get better at um, because you really have to be able to do it. You can't control so much about your work. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you said something in there that is, uh, probably something worth mentioning and, and something um, I, I want to have a little humility about that we may definitely get things wrong on this podcast too because <laughs> what I'm about to say is um, going to be about peddling advice. But when you said said teachers peddling advice that they, they know works but might not practice themselves in all cases, um, it occurred to me something, a, a thread I've been thinking about recently and noticing is how commonly, and I have seen it in academia for sure, um, guidance counselors at, at at least the high school level and and definitely a professor here and there um, in college. And certainly I've seen it in the professional world where somebody will be having a problem with something and the suggestion from the counselor or the professor or from above in a work environment would be, you know, oh, oh she just, she needs some better time management. He needs better time management. Um, and really like the extent of their experience and advice on time management is use a calendar and make a list. And often they don't even say that. Um, mm-hmm. How how generic the advice is sometimes in those in those situations, um, where it it may not even be a case where the person offering the advice doesn't practice it. They might not even actually have any advice. <laughs> they might just be assuming like this is a life skill that the, the fact that they've said, oh, you need to you need to you need to do some better time management is all that the person needs to hear in order to you know get it together and mm-hmm. become a productive dynamo. Mm. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I'm thinking of, you know, in defense of the ones like me, it's like, well, at least I, I'm aware enough to know that I don't always do what I'm saying. <laughs> and I, I'm trying, God damn it. <laughs> um, For sure. No, but I, yeah. And sometimes you just want to shake those people and be like, how do you think work happens? Like, mm-hmm. what, what do you yeah. do all day? Like, Well, and it's, there's something to be said here. Like if somebody asks me what I am doing, I had a conversation um before a meeting recently, uh, I was the first person to arrive, someone else was the second person to arrive, and we just started chit-chatting about email. And I talked about getting my inbox to zero right before the meeting and how happy I was about that. And she was a little bit intrigued because she's one of these people that does not do that. Um, <laughs> full stop. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we had we had a useful conversation about how I manage that stuff, and I, I brought up, you know, my waiting for list and... Um, you know, having a folder to put stuff that, you know, this isn't quite resolved yet, but it's somebody else's to do. So I have a waiting for folder in my, in my little email, you know, folder tree. Um, this serves that same function. So I can get it out of my face and I know, you know, every now and then I need to check in there and see what here still hasn't come in. 
Um, and she was really intrigued by that, but it's, it's something she asked about because it came up. Um, and it occurs to me that aside from situations like that where it comes up, I am, I am at work, I have never been one to peddle advice and this kind of stuff that we're always mm. talking about. Um, I don't say to people, you need better time management or you should make a list. <laughs> Uh, I, I, cause to me, that's kind of, I don't know, there's something, hmm. there's something very personal about that and that's kind of on their shoulders. And especially as a manager or supervisor, um, my, my operating style is generally to make sure that the people underneath me can do whatever they want as far as making a list or not. Like I'm going to make my, my expectations clear and the way the work is organized clear enough that they don't really need to organize at the level that I do in order to do their jobs. Hmm. Um, you know, I they don't, don't know. have to play your game. What's that? They don't have to play your game. So to they, speak. they don't have to. Well, not that part of my game, like the part where we actually get the work done. They have to play that. But right. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the only one playing my particular game. Um, mm-hmm. and, and believe me, nobody on my current team is ever in a million years going to read getting things done. So I'd be, <laughs> I'd be, you know, barking down the wrong tree in that case for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm taking us afield with this sidetrack mm. about advice and you need better time management. <laughs> well, we're trying to be reflective about our practices, I guess. And that's a form of distance, right? <laughs> Maybe we're modeling. Are we modeling distance right now? Says Katie is- as she grabs the wheel and rears the pod- steers the podcast back into the lane of traffic. <laughs> I try. No, no, no. I think it. Well, if it wasn't all connected, it wouldn't be happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I suppose. The listener, um, the listeners, I mean, Billy and the other two, they, they are <laughs> smart, capable people. And they, they can follow. Hello, listeners. Hello. Yeah, I know. So there were three in the same place at one time. So I know that they're all really in existence and you know, <laughs> not just the same person. Yeah. So the listener is, is at least three people. Yeah. Um, I, I think one way that I might drag this, this advice thread back into the main trunk of, of the conversation. Um, I don't know why we have threads and trunks, but I'm I'm just going to run with it. Um, Mm. but one thing I will say though, on the subject of, you know, just get some time management. Um, (laughs) that might be one thing to say as, as a way of manufacturing distance when you can is, um, if you don't have any system of calendaring things and you don't have any practice of regularly reviewing your calendar, you might start that. Um, because if you do have your, your upcoming things mapped out in some amount of detail, you know, when things need to be done, when they need to happen, and you're looking at it fairly often, you'll probably find yourself in fewer cases where you realize all of a sudden something is due in two days or today or yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and find yourself in those crunches. Um, and the other thing that that gives you, if you are good at also making lists of things along with your calendar, um, again, the, the sort of drawer effect, you know, if you can write down enough detail, you'll know what it means later. You can walk away from it and not think about it for a little while. And like I said earlier, when you come back to it, you might not have so much emotional, um, content bound up in it. You know, you might've broken some of those links in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And now it's just a thing on a list you can go do. Or it's grown so huge and looming that by comparison, it's going to be smooth sailing. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's a win in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking today, I think that my ideal working scenario on a longer uh, task or, or a small project would be that as soon as I understand it and know how to start, mm-hmm. I start and work on it for a while. Um, and then I step away for, step away from it for a little bit until, um, I get another really good idea or it's starting to scare me again. And then I get back into it and I work (laughs) on it for a little while. I get it pretty much done except for a final review for, you know, one last little whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I put it aside for a couple days and then I pick it back up like two days before it's due or I have to share it. Mm-hmm. And then do that one final review in enough time before the actual thing that I'm mm-hmm. excited about it again. Hmm. Very good. So th- I think that would be my ideal working yeah. uh, rhythm would be on, off, on, off, 
quick review to get excited and then <laughs> I'm magically done. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a pattern in there that I think is worth talking about that, that you know, comes up a lot, not just in, in things like we've been talking about, like with writing, but um, in programming it comes up a lot too. Like sometimes you just, you need to take a break. Like breaks need to be part of your routine. Mm-hmm. Um, you sh- even if you have a task that you know, we've talked about this before, how in programming, writing, and other things, sometimes you've got work that takes two, three, four hours to do a task within, you know, because it's just that complicated, mm-hmm. um, or just takes that long to get into the right headspace. But even in those cases, uh, you you will always hit a moment where you need to be off for a while. You know, you can't mm-hmm. you can't do twenty hour days, seven days a week, six months in a row, and still be putting out the same quality output work that you know that someone who's working eight hour days, five days a week will. Right. It just it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon be damned. <laughs> that's that's you know not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. I also listening to your your description of the you know the getting getting scared by it and needing to go back into it and. You know, then putting it aside for a while until you have a great idea. It almost kind of sounds like there's there's like a, a sort of a, a dichotomous pattern there, like a you know, if this then then do that kind of thing, where it's it's like you know, if if it's scaring you, then you need to go in and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you're doing it and you're out of ideas, then you need to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, something that I'm working on right now has sort of followed this pattern. I've probably left a little too much of it for the end, um, as per usual. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think, and sort of what you're saying with the calendar and, and just general awareness too, um, I think unfortunately, and I can already sort of hear the three listeners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> new from Steve Martin. Um you know, saying, well, you know, if we could plan all of our work and all the constraints and everything, like, sure, maybe some sort of pattern would be nice, but that's not how Sure, it if I were the emperor, I could get all this done. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they're all thinking. That's fine for Katie. The emperor. Um, emperor productivity. Um, but yeah, you know, in this in this one case, it's been working well so far. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting too. You're bringing up the Amazon stuff and, uh, this idea of becoming burnt out by it or, or pushing past, um, you know, pushing when you don't have the energy or the ideas or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, it was interesting when I was trying to root around on the internet for, to see just, just are these conversations going on? How are people talking about this idea outside of, of writing circles? Um, I kept finding stuff that was more so about not burning yourself out at work, which is sort of what I was thinking about with the idea of grind, as you Mm -hmm. said before, being stuck in the grind. Um, But that was stuff like turn off your your work phone when you get home, Mm -hmm. you know. And that's not quite what I was getting at. Having having a day phone and a night phone. A night phone. (laughs) I think they charge by the minute on that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I, I just wanted to make that distinction too. Um, yeah, I'm talking more about, um, and you said it well earlier, talking about how do you look at your work as work? How do you treat it as something that you need to continue to craft and not necessarily, um, something big and scary that you have to get done or Mm -hmm. something intensely personal and emotional that, um, you can't think of how to make it more effective because you're not even thinking of it in those terms. Maybe mm-hmm. you're thinking about, oh, how am I going to show this to so-and-so? Or how am I going to do this last step that's way down the road that I'm worrying about now? Right. Or or even you're not even thinking about the steps because you can't think about the steps because you're thinking about, you know, oh, God, deadline, not done yet. Got to work, got to work. Oh, no, going to fail. Mm. Going to lose the grant. Going to lose my job. Going to be homeless, you know. Ooh. To where you're not even you're not even seeing the steps; you're just seeing the consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, mm-hmm. yeah, in those moments, even I was thinking about there are micro versions of uh, you know, well, we'll take a day, take away, take a day away from it. And I'm thinking even of my, I'm hearing my students' voices now too, saying, "Well, no way, it's due in 36 hours, and how do I take a day away from it? I can't because then I'll never get it done." 
Um, so I think some of this, some of these little strategies do bear mentioning. I know we've brought them up in other, uh, contexts too, but things like taking a 10 minute walk, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> things like, especially when, a, when, you know, you're maybe going into the last day of working on something, you can't underestimate how much getting some sleep, even if it's not a normal night's sleep is going to do for your mm-hmm. brain. Sure. I mean, you read any of the science on this stuff and, and you wonder why the thing you stayed up all night to write <laughs> is not the best work you could have done. Um, <laughs> you know, even if you had slept six hours, you know, that yeah. would be fabulous compared to um, folks who try to stay in that grind space because they've got that, that voice in their head that says, mm-hmm. your job is to finish this. Right? Yeah. 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 There's, there's something in there with the staying up all night. I'm, I'm. There's a story that I don't think I'm going to tell here because it completely undermines everything we're saying. Um, <laughs> but I have, I do have a story at some point I want to talk about on the podcast about um, staying up all night to get something done on a deadline and having it go fantastically well, uh, mm-hmm. and how it 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 was really it made a good pattern. You know, it illustrated a good pattern that what I've I've thought to use it. Um, has been very helpful and productive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really want to talk too much about that because, again, <laughs> that story would probably destroy a lot of the point we're making here. No, um, I but I think yeah, I think I mean, the way ahead. that I'm going to affirm the, you too. Sure, I think the way that the way that, um, that some of this ties back in, like like something you know, we're we're dissing on grinding and we're dissing on long hours and we're dissing on not taking a break and we're dissing. It sounds like on focus in a certain way. Um, and that's kind of true because I, I do think in a lot of cases you will benefit from the distance of taking the break um, and certainly benefit from the, the renewal and the refreshment and, you know, like you say, sleep or, or you know, what I've been trying to do at work and my, my Vivo Smart helps me, beeps and reminds me once an hour, um, you know, get up and move around. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't sit for eight hours at a stretch. Um, the other thing I'd say, though, with distance, the thing to keep in mind is sometimes that kind of focus does pay off. Um, sometimes you are in the zone for longer than you normally would be. Sometimes it is worthwhile to sit in one place for four hours doing the same thing because that's where you are um, emotionally, mentally. You're firing on all cylinders. You're not hitting the wall. Um and I'd, I'd say, you know, that might be a skill to cultivate. They don't have any specific advice about how to cultivate it, but something to be aware of that this is a thing and that you need to know the difference. Um, I, I think it's useful to know the difference between when you are grinding because of anxiety or deadline or consequences and because you can't think of what else to do besides work, work, work. And when you've caught a wave and you're riding it, you know, when you are caught up in inspiration um, you know, you mentioned getting an idea, um, you know, after you've been away for a while and diving back into a project. You know, if you've got that idea and you're in that energy and it's clicking and it's working and you're getting it done and you're liking where it's going, I think it's as long as that's where you are, it's okay to keep going. Mm-hmm. I think the problem comes in when you're not doing that out of inspiration. When you're not doing it because you're in, you know, there's a, a, a Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, the whole idea of flow. Mm-hmm. Um you know, when you get into that state where time disappears and you're totally focused on what you're doing, when you have exactly the right combination of, you know, this is just hard enough to be hard at your current skill level, but not so hard that it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're enjoying it and getting into it. Uh, when you're in that state, if you're there for seven hours, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're grinding for seven hours, you're doing work and it's time to get up and walk away for a while. Right. And and just being aware that there's a difference and paying attention to that is the only advice I can have I can offer as far as how to tell the difference, but I think that's a useful thing to to cultivate would be to to know that that's a difference and and think about it and try to, you know, try to try to take advantage and ride that wave when you get it. But when you're not on that wave, don't work the same way. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about because the those manic tears, the frenzies or the you know, that sounds a little <laughs> the frenzies. The frenzies. Um, yeah, that might sound a little overdramatic for people, um, but flow, right? Yeah, like you're <laughs> yeah. saying, flow. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of our father and how he talks about his work at its mm-hmm. at its peak. Um, he uses that type of language. Um, it's the extroverted part of the family, I guess, that makes me <laughs> gravitate toward that language. Um, but all of it's in your head, right? It's when you are so focused on a task, everything is sort of falling away around you. Mm-hmm. Um 
Yeah. No, I am most certainly talking about um, the moments of being stuck in the grind. And I'm thinking of, and I, I, I don't mean to be critical of them. I'm, I think I'm, I'm stuck on it recently because I care about them and because I've seen myself in, um, in their shoes and thinking about how far I've come in, be, in getting more comfortable with how I do work and how I work best and what I need. Um, but I just see so many of these tensions in my students. They will say things like, well, I've, I've got, I'm going to be here, you know, at the library or whatever until midnight because this thing is coming up and I have to do it. And then I'll see posts from them on Facebook or uh, messages from them on our, our group chat for the writing centers, for instance. Um, and they'll be saying things like, oh, I've been staring at the same page for two hours, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, you know, you don't shake the students. That's a rule, I think. Don't shake the students. Um, mm-hmm. Never shake it, a student. That's what they tell you in, in new parents' classes. Yeah, Never shake a student. Yeah. I mean, that's the basis of TA training is don't shake the students. Um. <laughs> yeah. Also, you, you shouldn't let them sleep on their stomachs. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that, of... that can cause um, student... I don't, I don't want to make a SIDS joke. That's really poor taste. I'm cutting all this out. Cut all it out. Uh, don't shake the students. But sometimes you want to shake them and say, what are you doing? Don't you hear yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously this this time would be much better spent sleeping. Oh, yeah. So I guess, yeah, so I'm with you. I think it is about recognizing which voices and which feelings to honor, mm-hmm. which ones to acknowledge. Um, and I, I'm stuck on this idea of sleep. It's something I've been thinking about recently, too. Um, so going back to your counterexample, I don't think, I think it is valid, Um one, because it helped us get to this distinction, right? And mm-hmm. this is important. But two, it's funny because the story I was thinking of, um, I did the same thing. I got an A on an awesome final paper that I had to turn in the same day I took the final exam. Um, I stayed up till 4 a.m. writing the paper. I slept for two hours. I got up at 6 and I finished studying for the test, which I took at, you know, 8 or 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um and I, that might have been my my last day of finals, uh, <laughs> a semester of my senior year Very <laughs> of, good. of my bachelor's degree. And it was great. It was totally fine. Um, I actually looked back at that paper um, within the last couple of years, and it made sense. It was coherent. Mm-hmm. And it, I was actually citing decent sources, which at the time as an undergraduate, I didn't even know who the authors were. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked back, I was like, oh, good for me. I found that, even though I didn't know what it meant. Um <laughs> You know, so nice. so in in that way, it sort of is a success story. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why <laughs> I even thought to do that to myself was that I knew that I could. Mm-hmm. Now, as an <laughs> older adult looking back, um, uh, I think we should clarify for the audience: as an older, still very young adult. <laughs> but that was a few years ago. Now, to be fair, yeah, that was a handful of years ago. Um, but it, well, and I, I, I guess I, I'm trying to suggest distance, Matt. <laughs> Touche, Katie. Keyword. Um, because I've come far enough in my thinking that, uh, you know, some of the things I was telling myself that night, and probably you know nights before when I was working on other finals activities for my other courses, I would tell myself, "You have to do this. Your job right now is to finish this." Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, you know, as I've gotten a little older um, and I recognize the limits of my body and my brain cells, um, I know that I can't physically do that stuff. But sometimes I get into situations where I can't shut up the part of my brain that tells me your job is to finish that right now. You have to finish it right now. Why aren't you doing that? Why are you getting ready for bed to <laughs> do that thing? Sure. So I've had to consciously talk to myself in my head and say, um, you know, when I get to that point of the evening and I, I have my plan for the morning and whatever, I have to tell myself, Katie, your job right now is to sleep. That is your only job. Your job when you wake up is to work on blank. But right now your job is to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to do, you know, I have to do what is going to get me through it, not just what it, what's going to get it done. Right. Right. Because finals week sleep is not sustainable. <laughs> no. No, it's not. Um, it's not. And and I'm thinking about um, 
one one thing that's rattling around. I think this this example of last minute paper writing is good because it's it's helped me land on on um, maybe something we can say practical as far as making those distinctions between when you're doing it because it's a grind and when you're doing it for any other reason. And and something that I would say that I, I think most people in those kind of situations might might at least think about experimenting with because it's going to sound maybe a little extreme the way I'm going to put this. But you mentioned like the student posting on Facebook that they've been staring at the same page of their paper for two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I know we've we've probably in, both encountered in many places the example of reading the same passage, you know, catching yourself reading the same passage in a book like four times in a row, mm-hmm. and just having it having it not not sink in at all. Um, I would say one way to maybe cultivate the skill of knowing when you have an inappropriate amount of distance from what you're doing right now. Um, or when you need to get a little distance, is to take a zero-tolerance policy on those things. Um, mm-hmm. To say, like, if what you are doing right now is writing your paper, like, you've got your sources, you've read the text, you know what you need to do. Basically, it's just a matter of writing it. If you haven't written anything in two minutes, get up and go do something else. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not actually typing, you're not writing. Um, or if you're reading something the first time, you have to go back, you know, a sentence, a paragraph, a passage, not because you, you suddenly realize you misread a word and it's not making sense or not because you, you really are not sure where the author's going and you want to make sure you understood the last idea, okay, but like you, you realize, oh, I need to go back because I, I don't know what that last paragraph was about. You know, you just, you blanked out. You were just moving your eyes. Um, the, the moment you catch yourself doing that once, don't read it again three more times. Just stop, put the book down, walk away. Mm-hmm. And and same thing goes at work. You know, when you uh, when you are working, and <laughs> you find yourself doing a task that you're completely wrapped around. Not not in the sense that you know time is disappearing and you're in the flow. But um, again, anytime you catch yourself, even just a little bit, doing a task because you're going to lose your job if you don't, um, unless it's a task where your boss has said, "Go do this right now, or you're going to lose your job." Um, in which case, go ahead and do it. <laughs> that one's real. <laughs> but anything else where it's a looming deadline or something you put off for too long, and all you can think about is how much trouble you're in. Um, if you don't get this done, get this done perfectly, get this done now, and slip it in and have nobody notice that it just appeared rather than <laughs> being there three weeks ago. Um, if that's all you're thinking about, get up, walk away, go do something else for a few minutes. Even just a few minutes. Walk around the block. Walk to the break room, get some coffee, come back. Um, cause you don't have appropriate distance and, mm-hmm. and I would say like, you don't need to wait until you've been staring at it for two hours. If you haven't written anything for two hours, you are not going to start writing at two hours and one minute mm-hmm. unless yeah. you, unless you take a break. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the skill is in identifying you might be focused, but in this very twisted sort of way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if you recognize that you are dwelling in a task, but you're not moving, Mm-hmm then yeah, you've got a problem. Yes. Yeah. If you, if you're thinking about it and not doing it, Mm -hmm. um, and again, not thinking about it in a constructive, like I'm enjoying doing this, I'm solving the problem. I'm using my brain to apply logic and reasoning and emotion in order to find a better elegant solution. So I may do the minimum. No, if you're thinking about the task (laughs) and not doing the task, take a break, get some distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing I was thinking of, too, um, it is writing advice, but uh, I'm trying to think of other examples. Maybe I'll have to, I'll have to experiment with this, dear listeners, um, and think about other ways this might apply. Um, the Katie experiment. <laughs> What's that? I said the Katie experiment. Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, so I hope it applies. Otherwise, this is going to sound really weird because what I jotted <laughs> down was. Um, what kind of experiment is this? Um, because what I jotted down was pretend I'm someone else, dot, 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 oh. talk to someone else. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. I don't, I don't know where you're going, but anywhere you go with this one, I'm going to like. <laughs> Very good. Um, so you go to the Halloween costume store and then, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just want to take you off track. Um, yeah, so I was thinking about um, there are exercises that I try to um, get my students to practice. Um, things like rereading your own work with certain questions or tasks in mind that help you get distance, like like we've said, sort of artificially. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so whether that's reread and look just for this one thing, whether it's anytime the tense changes or jot down the first word of every sentence or jot down the subject of every sentence. Um, so putting your brain in a different reading space um, mm-hmm. so that you can get some distance and, and imagine you're reading something else. Um, one in particular is think of the audience for this piece, you know, whether that's me as the instructor or their classmates as an audience to the days that we share our writing. Um, or maybe it's about someone um, that they know, or it's about a topic that is dear to someone they know, and they may actually show this piece of writing to that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so the prompt for that rereading is just think of that audience member and reread it as if you are them. Yeah. What do you know about them? What are their preferences? What are their expectations? What do they know? What what might they not know? Mm-hmm. Um, on and on and on. Um, and then <laughs> the other one, too, talk to someone else. Even if you just need a sounding board to um, think through your ideas out loud. Um, I know I'm guilty of this. <laughs> I mean, if you've listened to the show, you should know this. <laughs> And basically thinking through my issues um, with a sounding board, with a um, a captive Max audience. <laughs> also um, the audience audience. Mm-hmm. Hi, audience. But I mean, I can't hear back from them unless I go to dinner at their house. So Yeah, but I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll probably give you something useful if you do hear back from them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm just, you know, spouting nonsense over here. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what you were saying when I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> So we open the show with me thinking you're making a self-deprecating joke and you're not. And we close it with me making a self-deprecating joke and you don't think I am. Oh, man. Nonsense for nonsense, right? And the whole world's Max and Katie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes or go take someone else's shoes and walk around. Nice. Something. Mm, I like it. Mm. Is it a podcast? I think it's a podcast. You have been listening to Priority. Once again, for complete show notes, or if you'd like to send us feedback via email or subscribe to the show, visit us on the web at priority.fm. If you enjoyed the program today, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review, as that will help new listeners find the show. Also, if you're interested in getting updates or communicating with us via tweets, follow us on Twitter, where we are at PriorityFM. That's at P-R-I-O-R-I-T-Y-F-N. Thanks again for listening. But uh, you reminded me with that audience thing of an email hack I recently heard that I really like um, <laughs> that I think is – I think it's 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 uh, it's not an inbox zero kind of thing. It's more of a for writing email kind of thing um, that you made me think of that doesn't relate too much to this but might. Um, and I will try to figure out where I heard this for mm. show notes, but I don't think I'll be able to. So apologies to whoever I'm ripping off. Um, this is plagiarism, so – it's a good thing that I'm not the one in academia right now. Well, I'm a student, but I mean, I'm not a not an academic, so I'm not being a super hypocrite about this. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, when you're writing an email to somebody, especially if there is anything sensitive being discussed, but even if there isn't, um, before you hit send, ask yourself, uh, especially if it's personal, how you would feel if that email appeared in its entirety unedited on Facebook. Mm. Or if it's for business, ask yourself if you would be okay if that showed up in a story in somebody's Google News feed. Mm. Hmm. Uh, and if you have a problem with either of those cases, then you probably need to rewrite the email <laughs> or not send it. Um, now, I think that's probably not universal. You know, Some people do have legitimate reasons to discuss somewhat sensitive matters in email. Uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, the two parties involved would be okay talking about, but you don't want everybody in the world to know. But, I mean, it's also a good practice because, you know, email gets hacked. Stuff gets mm-hmm. leaked. But mm-hmm. but um, it's, a, it's a good – I took it as a good reminder to keep your audience in mind um, because you might end up with more of one than you want. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if what you write is not pleasing to the party on the other end of this, that email might then become a weapon. Mm-hmm.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drafting many, many versions of emails is probably one of the, the best practices I've, I've picked up mm. in recent years. Yeah. I just, especially I, when it's going to be heated. Oh my gosh. I, um, my, my last sort of long-term corporate job, not the current one, but my last one, I really got in the habit of really thinking about my tone because I, mm-hmm. I caused a lot of trouble more than once by replying the way I wanted to reply rather than <laughs> the most diplomatic oh. way to do the same. Um, and, yeah. and in one case, uh, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, in at least one case, I, um, I did leave somebody in a reply where I was replying to multiple people on an email about somebody who'd been on the original email and I forgot to take their name out of the two line. Mm. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, a Stephen Coveyism related to that. I like a lot, which is, um, uh, and I, I don't do this. Um, although I probably should on the podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, um, Whenever you are talking to anyone about anyone else, any third party, uh, speak only as though that third party could overhear you. Oh, yeah. No. Which I think is, is fabulous advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do it. I don't even really do it on the podcast, but I should. Sorry, Beth. Oh. Poor Beth. Yeah. Anyhow, if that goes mm-hmm. in, it'll go in after because it's kind of off topic. <laughs> Yeah, so true, though. Mm. Ooh, 